My mom begins to talk about those days back in the, you know, in Tulsa and all those kind of things when we were alone. Great days with Pastor Bill, too, if he's still in here, but he might have wandered off. But when, when we were by ourselves, those were, uh, I was young. I think I was about 12 years old. Is that, I mean, I was about 12 when we went out to, to Tulsa. And uh, we're going to talk today about living by faith, but we have to live by faith with patience. You know, it, it, it takes faith and patience and patience to inherit those promises and the things that God has for you. And I, I think when, when especially uh, uh, when, we, when we really feel like we've heard God or that we really feel like God's showed us something or, or taking us in, a, in a certain place or, you know, we have a dream and we wake up in the morning and we go, oh my goodness, I mean, that was God. No, it was God. The thing that is difficult from that day on is the patience part. You know, it's, it's not, not really necessarily in that moment the faith part, but it's, it's, that, it's that patience part. And, and so we have to learn to do that. But in those years, you know, that was a long time ago that we were there. And there were a lot of years between 1979 and, and 2013 or whatever, you know, 1994, when, when 95, when Pastor Pam had to sit me down and say, you were there, you knew all that, you have to live on your faith, now you can't live on mine. But, but, but what we went through during that time was a great picture of God's faithfulness. And so as, as the kids in that house and as the kids in that situation, we were kind of living on mama's faith. But, but what we did was we saw the picture of God's faithfulness so that when we got older, we, we had that picture. That we knew that, that God was faithful and, and that what he did in that time, he would do in our time and in our season as we went forward with him. And I, when she said that, you know, we never really seemed to have more than enough, but we never didn't have enough. That's, that was profound. I mean, that is, that is a real, that's a, that's a real word from God. Listen, you have everything that you have need of when you need it. That, that makes you rich. The word, the word says that you, he, he will pour out an abundance in your life. Yes, it, it's, and we have a different maybe mentality about abundance, but it, it says that he will meet all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, and he always comes through, and he comes through on time. And so when you have everything that you have need of when you need it, that's like my definition of being rich, right? I mean, I don't have to go without. That wherever I go, if God says give $100 away, he's already provided that $100 somehow in my life. Or if he hasn't provided that yet for me, it's an opportunity for me to plant seed in faith. Pastor Pam believes and she receives all the time and God does things in her life, but somebody gave her 100 bucks. She had that 100 to give to somebody. That is seed that she's planting, but, but she was able to do it in great joy because she was going to be a part of a miracle that God was going to do in their life. There's other opportunities and situations where God says, give them 100 bucks and you don't have that in your purse. That's where the rubber meets the road to say, do you really believe me? It's easy to say, yeehaw, God, I get to be part of your deal because now I know you gave me that 100 bucks two weeks ago and now there's a reason why you gave it to me so I get to be a part of your plan. That's so exciting. But then there's the other side of that coin that says give them 100 bucks and you ain't got it. Or you don't see where it's going to come from or you have it somewhere but you don't know what you, what's going to happen if I don't because that's my kid's shoes or that's my, you know, will you trust God that way? And Pastor Pam, you know, she, she, she walked that walk for all of those years and still does today. But as her children, she passed that legacy uh, you know, of faith on, on to us. And I would encourage you to do that with your children too. Give God the glory and make sure your children know when God came through and when he was faithful because it builds faith in their life. And we're talking about building faith and going forward and some of those things. And tonight it's, it's this idea that, that there's, there's gonna have to be some opportunity in our life to have patience. And I don't know if you're, I mean, like if, if something, God says something, let's do it now. I mean, I'm ready. Uh, you know, we all think, right? We're, I'm ready to go. Let's go. And God says, hang on a minute. And if you look in James in chapter one, there's a, 
there's a scripture in, in verse 3 that says, my brother, well, actually, verse 2, or verse 3, says, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. That will you hang on? You know, will you hold on to that thing that, that God said? All those years between Joseph's dream and the fulfillment of that dream, those 20-some-odd years or whatever that is, in between that place and in that time, that's a long time to continue to push and have your faith tested. That every time you turned around, something what looked like negative was happening to you in your life, and it was just another punch in the gut or just another slap in the face, but something's being built on the inside of you. There's something that God has for you as you go forward that you're going to need great faith for, and as you grow, it's going to be one step at a time, but it, it's, it's with patience. It's saying that I'm not going to be fulfilled, satisfied, and happy when I get there. I'm fulfilled, satisfied, and happy on my way there. Does that make it? I mean, you can't... We, we, are, we are people who say, you know what, if I can just get this thing, I'm going to be all right. Well, with God, you've got to be all right before you just get that thing. Because if you, if you don't live your life that way, you get out of rest and you get, you get anxious. And, and you get out of, you're not patient anymore. Now, now you're time sensitive and now you understand the clock's ticking and, and all of those things. It says in, in Matthew and in chapter 11, that if we could come to him, it says, all of you who, are, who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. There's a rest with this patience. There's this thing that says, I'm going I'm to come, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to learn from you and allow you to pour out your, your wisdom in my life, your strength, your courage. We've talked about endurance. We've talked about strength and all these different things. We've talked about the fact that the word brings faith in our life and we've talked about resistance and the fact that we're all going to go through stuff and the enemy's going to push against us, but you were built and you were made to be in this earth to go through the resistance, not be pushed around by the resistance. That the enemy can't take you a direction that God doesn't want you to go, but you can go a direction that God doesn't want you to go if you allow that resistance to affect you, but you don't have to do that. And in Hebrews, in chapter 10, there's, there's a passage, really, it's, it's, it's about Abraham, and we're going to talk a little bit about Abraham as we go, but it's this, it's this passage that, that talks about the fact that, uh, actually, it's Hebrews chapter 6. I had it wrong on my notes earlier, but it's chapter 6, verse 10. And, and it says in, in verse 10, For God is not unjust to forget your work, to forget your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but that you imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. You may know people who seem to have great faith, but they fell by the wayside because they didn't have patience. Uh, maybe you're a, a, f- a fixer or a figure-it-outer, or, or you've found a way to, 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 to get what seems like to the end of the line or the end of the race and get to the finish line and, and you see like, man, I, I think I could do it like this and I could get there. Well, you need to have patience and allow God to get you there because that road that you choose might not be the road that he chose. And it might be full of all kinds of pitfalls and all kinds of traps and all kinds of work of the enemy and things that you don't, don't, don't want to go through or wouldn't have had to go through. How many of you still learned the lesson? You still made it, but because you did it your own stubborn way, not rested in patience and faith, you paid a lot of price along the way that you might not have had to pay if you went a different route. And once you get there, you realize that. See, in the middle of it, you, you, don't, you don't necessarily realize it. You just think you're getting beat up all the time. But then when you get to the, when you get to the end, you go, oh, man, God, that was not the right way. <laughs> ah, I'm sorry. See, there's something about this idea of having patience, this ability, like it says, you know, as far as the definition, to bear pain and trials without complaint. <laughs> without complaint. 
We like to say we're patient, but do you complain? Do you complain about what you don't have, what you do need, all those things? Why God hasn't come through this time or that time? And Abraham didn't complain. You know, it goes on and it says in verse 13 there in Hebrews chapter 6, it says, for when, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And verse 15 says, and so after he patiently endured, and some of you are, are even thinking now, well, how long is patient? How long is patiently enduring? Like, how long is this time frame? Well, however long God has you on this path for the rest of your life. Oh, I'm not trying to bring you down. That's, you know, it's encouraging. You're going to grow the rest of your life. For some of you, are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to wait. Not for this thing, you won't have to wait the rest of your life, but you will have to wait the rest of your life patiently in faith, following after God for each thing that he brings to you. And hopefully this isn't the only thing he's going to do in your life. This isn't the only thing that he's bringing into your life. This isn't the only promise, whatever it is that he's promised you, that he's going to fulfill. Verse 15, so after he patiently endured, it says he inherited the promise. Now think, I mean, that's all of those years of waiting for that baby to come in his life. And it says he patiently endured. Now we would like to just walk through the lilies, but endure means that there's some hardship that might come. Right, Paul told Timothy, listen, you've got to endure, endure some hardship as a good soldier here. You're going to be in a, in a battle, you're going to be in a fight, and you're, you're going to have to press through. There's going to be hardship and things that come against you. Jesse Duplantis uh, had sent out his magazine this, uh, whoa, my thing's spinning in circles. Wow, I'm not, am I? I'm still, like, all of a sudden I started like, going upside down. Uh, Wow. Jesse Duplantis in his magazine, I just got it today and was, was reading through it a little bit, but he had shared this one little snippet that really, it was, uh, it meant something to me as I was thinking about faith and patience and what it takes to inherit the promises and, and, and some of the hardship and the things that we have to endure as we go forward in faith. And he said, he said that pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. Pain is, I mean, there's going to be some, there's going to be some, some fighting through this thing. There's, Pain is inevitable, but he said, you know, misery is optional. How do, you, how do you respond to that resistance? How do you respond to that stuff that comes against you? That we weren't, we weren't made to be pushed to and fro. That God is a God of promise. And that as he, as, he, as he brings those promises into your life, you have to realize and understand that they're already taken care of. For all of the promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians, right, one twenty says that all of the promises in Jesus are yes and amen. If he promised Abraham that day that he would be the father of many nations, it says that Abraham trusted him without fault, that he would do that. That if God promised you something in your life that you would have abundance, you would be healed, you would, whatever this thing is that you're believing for or grabbing hold of or whatever it is that you see that's forward for you, God will do that. You have to see it as fulfilled. It's just a matter now of timing. Because if God promised it, he's going to do it. He doesn't promise something and then hold this carrot out there and then dance you around and change the carrot to something else. He doesn't do that. If he promised you something, he's going to do it and fulfill it. It's just a matter of timing now. Will it be tomorrow? Will it be next week? Will it be next month? It wasn't yesterday, so quit looking back there. right? I mean, Or you'd have something else. It's forward, and that's why it takes faith to go forward. His promises and the things that he has for you are out there. But he rewards those who diligently seek him. 
that those promises that he has for us, they're conditional because we have to live his word. We have to grow. We have to walk by faith, those kind of things. But listen, it says Hebrews eleven six that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We can't say, I, I, God, I, I know you've promised me this. I know this is your word. I know these are the things that you have for me. But I'm just going to go ahead and do something else for a little while. And, and when I see those things happen, then I'll get on board. We don't usually do that. That usually doesn't happen. Most of the time, we're in that state of not doing what God said, and things get so rough that we do get back on board. Usually not the other way around. Usually we say stuff like, God, I'm telling you, I made a mistake, I messed up, I'm coming back. And then he says, hey, all the things that I had for you back then, I still have them for you here. Now let's go forward. In our life, we might think we missed tons of years and tons of time and tons of opportunity, but I'm somehow in God's plan, like we talked about on Sunday, he turns these things around for good in our life, and he brings the right things at the right time, and all of a sudden, you begin to see those things again as your faith begins to grow and as you begin to walk in everything that he has for you to walk in. Your obedience, really, is rewarded with blessing. And, and, and will you be obedient? Will I be obedient? And, and in that being obedient, it's this idea that says, listen, it's easy to be obedient when you're sure. It's not so easy to be obedient when you're not sure. When you're a little wishy-washy, how many of you are like, I think this might be God, or you said, like, I know this is God, so I'm doing it. So when you know and you're totally sure, it's a whole lot easier to be obedient and walk that out than when you're like, okay, God, is this you or not? So what you have to do is find out, is it him? If you know it's him, then be sure. In Romans chapter 4, it's just the rest of that story about Abraham. And, and, and just really, it takes all of that time that, that he was patiently enduring, and, and it kind of makes it just be a a few scriptures but in verse 19 it says and not being weak in faith abraham he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of sarah's womb he did not waver at the promise he did not waver at the promise of god through unbelief but was strengthened in faith giving glory to god and being fully convinced said fully convinced sure he was sure beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if God had promised this, then he was well able to perform it in his life. What are you sure of? Because you won't see something you're not sure of. There's an opportunity for you to say, God, is this you? And there are those moments in time when God begins to speak things to you, and you are sure that this is God. You're kind of sure this looks like God, and then you, you just hope it's God. You probably won't see the hope it's God thing until you become sure. There's a working out that process that takes you from the, oh, I hope it's God, to the, yep, I think it's God, to the, yep, I know it's God. That that thing that God speaks to you and shows you and that vision that he gives you grows through that process until you can grab hold of it and say, I know this is God. But most of the I know this is God started out over here going, oh my goodness, I hope it is. Why do we pray for confirmation? So that we can be sure. See, why does God say that he will, he will perform his word in our life and that he'll bring confirmation to us if we ask? And why do we do that? So we can be sure. Not so that he can tell us over and over and over and over again. But so that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is God. And we take this little chip here and we move it from the, oh boy, I hope it's God, to the, yep, I know it's God column. And now it's just a matter of timing. And Abraham, he was in that place. But he said he was fully convinced that what God had promised him, he was able to perform it. And therefore, it says it was accounted unto him for righteousness. 
he didn't trust God, and this is, this is important, he didn't trust God for the promise, he trusted God with the promise. Because to him it was already done. So he wasn't saying, oh God, I hope you bring this into my life. He said, oh God, I know you have this for me, and I trust you with it. There's a, there's a little bit of a difference. There's this idea that says, hey, I, 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 you have promised me a son. You've promised me this, this abundance of descendants. I know it's going to happen, and I'm giving it back. See, he gives it to Abraham as a seed, and Abraham says, I give it back to you to hold and to work on and to deal with and to bring it forth and into pass in my life in your timing and when you have it. I don't hold on to this thing and run around saying, well, someday this is going to happen. I just know it. Maybe it is. I don't know. I hope it is. I hope it is. It says, God, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you are or aren't. I know you are going to do this, and I give it to you and take my hands off. That's the lay, lay your yoke or your burden and your care on me, and I'll take it. And in its place, I'll give you my yoke. It's the rest of the Matthew 11, 29, 30, all through there. And, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's where the rest comes from. That can you imagine that Abraham could rest through all those years? But it said he, he was fully convinced. He patiently endured. He went through that. It didn't say he was anxious or anything else. It said, on the contrary, he did not get anxious. He did not get worried. He, he did not waver back and forth. He continued to go forward. And we're like, oh, man, I wish that was me. Even to the end when he saw the promise fulfilled, he still gave God that promise because when God said, take Isaac up onto that mountain and put the dagger in him, he said, okay. That he, he, wasn't, he wasn't holding anything back, but he trusted God with the promise. And he said, even though you've given it to me and I see it now standing in my house, it's not mine. It's yours. You just allowed me to be a steward of this thing that you've given me, so that promise still belongs really to you. And so he said, I'll, I'll do what you asked me to do, all the way up until that point. I mean, it's, he's lifting up the thing, ready to put the dagger in him. He, he wasn't going to, sometimes we get our eyes on stuff and things and, and the promise, and once we get it, man, we're, we're really tenacious about not letting it go. Listen, God brought that into your life, but it's not yours, it's his. You do with it what he wants you to do with it. It's like the hundred bucks that my mom was talking about. But you, I mean, you've been believing God for that, and you think it's because you want to get new shoes or whatever, you know? And, and oh, you're like, oh, yes, this is, man, this is what I've been believing for. Now, it may be for your new shoes. I'm not saying God's not going to give you a hundred bucks for your new shoes or whatever it is. That may be it. But in this case, he spoke to her plainly and said, listen, that's not for you. So now she's, she's got this thing, and God has blessed her, so she has it, but she has, to get, she has to let go. She can't hold on to that. She's got to put it in her purse and say, okay, God, hands off. It's yours. You do whatever you want to with it. I was believing, and this wasn't her case. She didn't say this, but I was believing for that 50 bucks, or I was believing for that $100 for this thing, but you have said that there's a higher call and a different purpose for it, and so I trust you with this. You brought it into my life. You're going to take it to where it needs to go. And if I'm just the conduit to move this thing from one person to the next, then let me be the conduit because anything that he can get through you, he'll get to you. But when it stops with you, it seems to stop the flow of God's blessing in your life too. Don't be the, the dam that holds back God's prosperity and God's abundance and God's grace and his mercy moving in this world. We've gotten very, as a, as a, as a society, yeah. We've gotten very, uh, very uh, self-centered as a, as a society spiritually. 
I mean, we're, we're fairly self-centered, and we probably all fight with that kind of thing just in the natural anyway. But this is spiritually, as church folk, we, 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 if we're not careful, we'll get very self-centered. That I, I, I need more teaching. I need more things. I need more stuff. Well, okay, maybe we all do need more teaching. We all need, we need, our faith needs to grow. Yes, but I'm telling you, it only grows, and, only, and it only gets larger. You only mature. You only get to the next step when you give out. But when you try to hold it in, people say, well, if, if I can just get healed of this thing, then I'm going to be all right, and I'll be able to do this. No, nope. go do that, and I bet you'll be healed. See, it's this idea, says, well, I can't talk to anybody because I, I don't know what to say. I'm all messed up, and I, I've got all this pain and all this stuff and suffering going on in the inside. Hey, go out and share the love of Jesus with people who are around you by faith and see if he doesn't take care of all that stuff in your life. You can't be the dam that dams this thing up. You have to, by faith, allow it to flow out of you. But there's power in that. But the things that stop that flow, the things that stop that assurance in your life of saying, I know this is God, I'm going to go forward, are fear, doubt, and unbelief. Those are the enemies of being sure. You can't walk in fear. So instead of walking in fear, how about we walk in love? Because perfect love casts out all fear. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Perfect love casts out all fear. So if you're walking in love, you shouldn't be fearful. And if you're fearful, I'm not saying sensing things that are coming against you, but reacting because of things that come against you because you're scared. That's, that's the, the negative side of fear. We all face fear, right? Resistance. But we push through fear and past fear because we have power, love, and a sound mind instead of the spirit of fear. So we go through it. If you allow that to stop you and to move you, that's when your assurance gets low. Don't do that. Walk in love. Don't walk in doubt. In James 1, chapter 5 through 8, it says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and he'll give to him. He'll give to him liberally and without reproach. But it goes on and it says, But listen. This is my version, not this version. When I tell you those things, and you've asked for wisdom, and I've told you it's me, and you know it is, and I've poured out the wisdom, then go forward with that wisdom and don't be a doubter. Because a doubter gets back and forth and left and right. And the double, that double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. No, no assurance. Is it e-surance? Is that the commercial? We don't want e-surance either, I think. <laughs> but unbelief, right? We talked about it, the guy in Mark in chapter 9 on Sunday that said, help me in my unbelief. Why? Because anything's possible to him who believes. There's part, there's part of these, these, just these little pieces and these little parts in these scriptures that as you put them all together, they begin, they begin to make a bigger picture that says, man, I'm telling you, God's doing something here, and I'm going to go forward in him. I'm not going to be scared. Why do I need to be scared? Why would I doubt him? I know I'm sure. I've taken it from the, okay, God, you've got to help me out here and make sure this is you, to the, I know this is you. Then go forward. Don't stop. Don't let the devil talk you out of something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is true and is God because he'll try. As we go forward in this thing with faith and patience, he is going to try to talk you out of the truth every step of the way. And every opportunity that you get, he's going to kick you in the shins. He's going to push you around. He's going to try to turn you. He's going to try to mentally mess with you. Why? So you won't be sure. Because if you're not sure, you can't walk in faith. Then you are just hoping, wishing in those things. But be sure. And don't walk in doubt. Walk in unbelief, or walk in belief. <laughs> Don't be in doubt. Be in unbelief, man. It's unbelievable. Don't walk in unbelief. We are called 
Christians, yes, but many people call us believers. Why? Because we believe. Well, unbelief's the opposite of that. You know plenty of people who don't believe, right? Maybe not in your plan or your vision or whatever that might be, but even in Jesus. They don't even believe in the word. They're, those are, they're unbelievers. Well, when you take your life and what God has shown you and what he's promised you and what he's told you, and then you don't believe it anymore, you've, you've, you're, you're an unbeliever. You don't believe what he said. You can't walk in, in doubt. You can't walk in unbelief. You can't allow a fear to push you back and forth in those things. You have to have confidence and total faith and trust in God. It says in Hebrews, in, in chapter 10, verse 35, it says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for that you have need of that endurance. So in this confidence you'll gain endurance. And it says you'll have need of that endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. But there's, there's a promise for us. But it's in this following him. It's in having this confidence, not in who I am as, as Pastor John or not in who you are, but in, in our ability to follow after God and his ability to be faithful to us. There's a, there's a thing that says, I know God's faithful. I know he'll perform his word. And I know I heard him, and I'm sure that it's him. And so I know I can follow after his voice, and I'm just going to go for it. That's going forward. See, every time you go forward, you haven't been there before. Now, it may be the same destination, like you came to church today, right? But like every, every, every half mile you came closer to church, you weren't in that half mile before you got there. It's, everything's new. And even if it's just coming to church, he may want to do something new on your way to church. So every time you go forward, you haven't been there before. Tomorrow is a day you haven't lived before. You may feel like you're in Groundhog's Day in your life, but you haven't lived it before. I mean, it may seem like the same thing over and over again, but you haven't, you haven't been there before. Have faith that as you go forward that God does something in that place, that he changes something, that he moves something, that he uses you somehow. That, why? Because your confidence then, as you go forward, you know God's going to do something, and that expectancy pulls on the power of God in your life. It may not be what you were thinking. It may not be the way you thought, but it, it will be something that God will do in your life and use you to help somebody else or change somebody's life. He will use you. But that confidence that grows on the inside is an expectancy that just pulls like the lady with the issue of blood who grabbed a hold of his garment. It's that thing that says, I know, blind Bartimaeus screaming on the side of the road, Jesus, Jesus, heal me today. Today's my day. Do you know that tomorrow is your day for that promise to be fulfilled in your life? It didn't say that Abraham woke up every day and said, okay, is it going to be the day? Is it going to be the day? Sarah, you're feeling good? You're throwing up? You're pregnant? I mean, it, it, didn't, it didn't say he went through any of that. But every day he lived in expectancy that God was going to be God and he was going to show up. And if it was that day fantastic, he wasn't going to lose his joy if it wasn't. That it might be the next day or the next day or the next day that God was God and he would take care of it. Rest, patience, faith. That God's going to be God and he'll be God for you in your life too. Hebrews 10, 23 says, hold fast to that confession of hope in your life. Because He's faithful. Hold fast to that thing without wavering because he who promised God is faithful. He's faithful. He'll fulfill it. There are lots of things that you have probably seen in your life that God has promised you or shown you or you learned in the word or whatever. But there are a lot of things that he's probably promised and shown you in your life or that you got an inkling about in your spirit that you're like, oh man, I haven't seen this yet. It's been, it's been a whole 36 hours and God hadn't come through, you know, and I don't, I don't understand. 
Maybe it's been 36 years and you haven't seen that, but that thing just continues to stir and continues to build, and you know God's going to be God. Let him be God. You and I would do a horrible job at that. Look at your own life and the decisions that you've made outside of God. We don't, we don't do so well without him. And as you go through this year, I would just encourage you as we close and kind of start to end this, this series on faith to go forward. I, I want to encourage you, listen, there, there is a great prize on the other side of this thing. Whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next week, whether it's prize after prize after prize, whether it's 12 months of prize, whatever it might be, there, there's a prize on the other side of this thing. But you have to run the race in such a way that you obtain it, that you win it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, do you not know that in this race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached others, I myself will not become become disqualified for that prize. But he says everyone who competes does this in a strict way to win the prize. It says everybody runs the race, but one wins the prize. And you think, well, who's going to win the prize? There's a lot of us in this room today. No, your race is your race, and you will win your race, and you will see the prize that God has for you if you keep running by faith. But if you stop, you won't see that. See, we've, we've, we, we live kind of in a world, and I've shared this before, where participation trophies have taken over. And, and everybody gets a trophy because you signed up. Hey, that's awesome. You do get a trophy because you signed up. You get to go and be with Jesus in heaven. But in this earth, to run the race that he has for you and to see these, th- these promises fulfilled in your life, you have to continue to press forward. You have to continue to fight. You have to have a tenacity on the inside of you that says, I didn't just sign up to sit on the bench and get a trophy because I just attempted something or I participated. I get a trophy because I'm going to win. I don't want to lose. I don't want to just, just slide. I want to win. I, I don't know where we lost that in our society with these, but I, you know, we don't keep score. I keep score. When I go to Jack's soccer game, I know it was 6-2. to two. Whatever, whatever side Jack was on, I, I knew it was 6-2. to two. Why? Because there's a winner and there's a loser. And I, it, it, we, we live in a world where the enemy wants us to be so, so placid. He wants us to, to be, just be so relaxed and, and, and just don't even care and oh, it's all right, and let, let everybody just kind of do what they want to do, and, you know, I don't really feel like it today, so I won't, and participation trophies. He doesn't want you to get up and by faith grab hold of the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit and go out and fight to win, to run your race to win. I mean to get to the end of that sucker and to finish it. See, the devil wants us to just kind of laissez-faire through this thing. Now, you know, he, it's like the pinata. I've shared that example before that, you know, you put this blindfold on a kid and you give him a stick and then there's a pinata and you, then you start spinning the pinata around. It's just this little blind little kid with a stick now. He hits everybody in the, in the room. He, he never hits the pinata because he doesn't have any idea where he's going. And he's just swinging wildly and swinging blindly. With, with, without having this assurance that God has promised you, without knowing his word, without knowing the direction that you're going, we said in the second message in this thing, at the end, that faith needs a destination. You've got to know where you're going. But if you take the blinders off that little kid, he will pound that pinata into a million pieces because he knows there's a prize inside that thing. It's full of candy, and he's going to get it. 
And if he knocks that thing across the room, he's going to go over the other side. I've seen him do it. They go over the other side of the room and they beat that thing like it's still alive. Like it is a tiger trying to kill them. And this is a four-year-old taking this pinata out because there's a prize on the inside. Will you go after what God has for you with that kind of tenacity? See, will you go after that thing that way? You say, well, I tried for a while, but it hadn't happened yet. Listen, a delay is not a denial. A delay is just a time issue. A God working something out in you issue. A, a God working something out in the other person issue. Right? This, this, this person that Pastor Pam ran across, who knows what they're believing or knowing or what they've been asking God for, but he's saying, hey, have some patience here because I've got to get this hundred bucks to Pastor Pam yet before she can come across your path to be able to give you what you've been believing for or what I want to show you. See, he's working all these things out. They get all skittish and get all upset, and then they get mad with God, and he's not ever going to come through. And she's walking around with 100 bucks in her purse now. And he's saying, the timing's right. Get your act together. Come on. Come with me. Come on. Get your faith back up. I got it in. It's all in place. It's all in line. All these pieces and all these parts have to fall into place for certain things to happen in your life. God can do anything. He can do it miraculously. He can do it like that. But there are a lot of things in my life and probably in yours as well that I've had, to, I've had to kind of, as you look backwards, you know, from standing here, you see how God worked all these pieces and parts together to have this thing happen at the right time, in the right moment. As you know where you're going in faith, as you write those things down, the vision and all that stuff, maybe for what he has for you this year, for what's next month or next, next quarter or next, you know, whatever, as you do that, those long-term goals and those long-term plans, they, they keep you from being really frustrated in the short-term delays because you know it's just a matter of time before God does this. And it may not be right now, but he's working something out on the inside of me so that when I get there, I'm ready. So that when I get there, it's ready. You don't want to get up there and get something premature. Don't get your dream when it hadn't been born yet. But we do that. See, we get out of patience. We're not patient anymore. We're just, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to do it. Careful, you might not want that. You want it fully matured. But that's, that's true. You know, we do that. That's, that's, that's so true. I know, because I've done it in my own, I've done it in my own life. You know, I have to fight that same kind of thing. Remain patient. There are 365 days in a year for a reason. I don't know what they all are, but I know they're there. And God doesn't do anything without a plan and a purpose. And he doesn't do anything without reason. So today, you know, I, I, are you ready in your life? You just, this is between you and God, really. Are you ready in your life to just flat out give it your all? That you know it's not about playing around this time. It's not about, not about starting and stopping. It's about saying, you know what? I'm lacing up my shoes, and I'm going to run this race by faith to win it. I don't see how I can do it, and I can barely make six steps right now, but I know God's got me on this mile race for something, and I'm going to run every step of this mile until I see the end, until I see the finish line, until I see what God said. Believing Him all the way, each step of the way. I don't know what it is in your life. Right now where you are, what is it that He's promised you, or what has been stirring in your heart? What is that thing that that you've been impatient about? What's the thing that you've started and stopped and started and stopped because you got disappointed halfway? What is, what is that thing in your life that you said, you know what, I just, man, I, I, this is never going to happen. This is never going to work. I, I, I must be crazy. No. 
No, you're just facing resistance in the enemy. And I'm telling you, if you keep walking forward in faith, have patience and trust God, he's going to bring that to pass in your life. You're just not there yet. Today's just not the day. Have you given up hope on something and just said, I'm done with that. How many of you have hung up so many dreams on the old dream rack that you mean God's saying, come on, I got that for you. Don't let go of it. Don't give up. Don't hang it up. Come on, come forward with me. What he has for you is forward. It's not backwards. He'll take care of the past. He'll take care of yesterday. You take care of today and who God called you to be and what he has for you to do tomorrow. And I'm telling you, he will work that thing in your life for good. And you will see that promise come to pass. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.